to Birds and Bloom podcast. Wonderful to have you here with me today. As always, uh, I've been so busy and trying to get outside and do some painting while the weather is nice. But every time I get my stuff together, it starts to rain. I don't know what it is. Like the weather, as we know, is just changing everywhere. And uh, now May is not hot and June is rainy. Hopefully July and August offer some relief for the outdoor enthusiast or outdoor painter like me. Okay. Uh, last week, I got to interview Doug Williamson. Wonderful guy, very eloquent. I got him on the fly. He is having a show at the New Edward Gallery. And I just pulled out my microphone. I said, hey, can I interview you about your work? And he was a good sport. He uh, talks about his inspiration, what motivates him to paint as the Renaissance do. Beautiful, meditative work, but also dynamic. So a real dichotomy exists. He has a a man in an old costume with dramatic lighting and then a wristwatch on. So it looks like he's in the 1500s, except for that watch that throws you off a little bit. So there's that play, play with light and dark, and he limits himself to four colors on his palette, but it doesn't look limiting on his canvas. We explain more in the interview, so why don't I go straight to Doug and come back and we'll wrap it up together. All right, enjoy. Okay, we are at the new Edward Gallery, um, and I'm here with uh, Doug Williamson, who's got a show on right now. and have a chance to actually chat with him about his work. It's absolutely beautiful, but I'm going to let him uh, give us a little update or description of what it looks like and how he paints it and things like that. Hi, Doug. Hello. <laughs> what do you think of openings, by the way? Um, well, as a self-proclaimed hermit, uh, yeah. just, it's hard because you live in the studio by yourself in front of your, in front of your work. And then there's this expectation to share your work because that's why we, we create is to share. So it becomes a bit of a neurotic experience because you have to put yourself out there, you have to talk to people, you have to be present and um, you know, it can be a little uncomfortable but once you're, you see the people's response to the work and they're happy that you are sharing, it's, it's a reward in itself to be able to see people enjoy what you have put your hand to do. Right. And how long, when was your last opening? I had an opening about two years ago in Victoria at the Trounce Alley Gallery. So okay. that was a, that was the last, last show that I had. So a so couple years. A couple years, and I haven't shown in Calgary probably for at least eight years or so. Wow. Yeah. All right. So this work looks like it might have taken you quite a long time to complete. Yeah. Would that be yeah. accurate? Uh, yeah, each painting does take a bit out of me and a bit of time, but a lot of people say how much time for a certain particular piece and I always I don't really know how to respond no, to that. I know. There so is I, no answer. <laughs> I always say, well, twenty years because yeah. that's how long I've been painting and, and the 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 you know, the skills that I've attained over that twenty years because I've painted in a classical tradition, they they just build on top of each other so you're able to be a bit more efficient. But, you know, they, they range from anywhere from twenty to 30 to 50 hours it's they're done when they're done right like yeah. I, I you begin a painting you're not too sure the direction but you kind of see the end in sight and then 
you know, some take a lot quicker, and then some just drag on and on. Yeah. They look like you are inspired by Rembrandt. Would that be accurate? Oh, that would be definitely accurate. He is <laughs> Rembrandt is is my my go-to go-to painter. He is finds a special place in my heart along with other classical painters. And there's the uh, the boss himself, Eddie. Yeah, hey, Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> the boss himself. Yeah, and so do you paint by candlelight as well? No, not candlelight. I just have a nice dimly... You can notice the gallery here is all painted gray and very dramatically lit. It's very reminiscent of my my studio. Light control is is very important for a classical approach because you want your shadows to be shadowy and your lights to be light. So, you know, just uh, either if you have a north... North light, which is consistent, or controlled lighting in your studio is, is what, what I paint with. So why don't we just make our way in front of one of these pieces? Okay. Um, so this is big oil. It's so it's oil, yeah. oil painting, mm-hmm. and it's done in uh, neutral colors. Yeah. Most of your work is done in neutral colors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, off of sienas and. What, what, what colors are your favorite? What's your palette? My palette is a tetrachrome color system employed by the ancient Greek Apelles, mm-hmm. um, also used within the Renaissance and uh, classical approaches even today. Uh, so it's a four color system of red, yellow, white, and black. So those are the only colors that are on my palette, and then I just chain so you, colors off of that. Do you mean a cadmium red? No, I don't use any. I use a Chinese vermilion that is, um, you know, not an authentic vermilion, but a, a vermilion replacement. It's a deeper, it's more of a, a blood red, and okay. then a, a, a very light golden yellow ochre, uh, a white, which could be titanium or a flake white replacement, and then a Mars black. So all those colors in that spectrum are keyed towards the orange-yellow spectrum. So when you mix your white and your black together, you're able to create some nuanced blues that, that show themselves against that, uh, that warmth of the palette. Okay, so no blue at all? No. Only blue you might get is a hint of it from the Mars. Yeah, from the from the Mars black and the white. So if like you can I, look I at can't it. live without blues. Yeah. I have like the full range of blues in yeah. my palette. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like. Well, I have blue. My blue is just my blue is subtle. My blue, like sometimes when I'm out painting landscape, I might bring out a little bit of ultramarine to spice up my blues a bit, but very rarely. Because then when you are, add the blue to the to this to the this palette there becomes a bit of a disharmony within uh-huh. it because uh, this palette is very harmonious those four colors work together uh, you know yeah. and all we, and all the colors that you make are able to play off one another so you're able to build to scrape to sand and and the colors that you put on are never going to be a surprise they're always consistent so you're it really takes the problem solving and out of you know color theory and some people like that. Other people like to be challenged with color. Color is just, for me, uh, a means to an end. It's not like color is my exploration. My exploration is, you know, flesh, steel. Uh, light and dark. Starlight and dark, soft fabrics, you know. So that's what I, and I use color to, to describe that. Not so much I need to be colorful. Yeah, and even though there's only those four colors, it, it looks 
like there is a wide range. I mean, you use them to the fullest extent, and I don't get bored with the color scheme. It's it's like you said, very harmonious. So it brings calm, but yet the light and dark is so dramatic. So that adds the dramatic aspect to mm. it, and. It's funny because your subjects, it looks so classical, right? Like a priest holding that the... That is St. Romanus of Subiaco. <laughs> and uh, he was a saint in... Is that a real person? That is a real person. And he was, he was the saint back in Subiaco, or the, the man back in Subiaco that gave Benedict his habit. So they have a... a each of my paintings do have a, a certain narrative, whether they're open-ended or not. I don't try to get so descriptive and meaningful in my work they kind of lend themselves to that anyways so this isn't that particular one is not someone you know yes that, that is that is a fellow that lives uh, is a tenant so he's in the building that we're in so he lives in, in the, the downstairs suite and he has actually taken the vows of a, a Carmelite hermit he has that robe. Like for real? For real. And oh. that scapula, the brown scapula with the white Benedictine robes. And uh, he came up and, and sat in my studio. So I work from life. So I have my models come and sit for me and pose for a number of hours with, you know, and if they bring a costume, that's great. Eddie brought his hard hat. Okay. You know, um, Gary brought his wizard's outfit and JC has his robes and you know so I, I'm kind of you know, draw narratives from that and I guess and, and maybe you know you don't mean this but for me when I see people I know like Ryan yeah. in the bathroom there for me it makes it more not because I know I, well not just because I know them, because it's not about the familiarity, but it's the fact that you took people from current day, modern times, and put them in this yeah. classical mm. position and costume and, and method of painting that, to me, makes it more contemporary. Yeah. Right? It's like a twist. It's almost like you'd, this slight satirical mm -hmm. aspect to it. Did you mean that? No, I, I think that the word contemporary might be, you know, I am contemporary in the fact that I'm living today and making art. I mean, there's no, you know, but I like timelessness in pieces. I like that you can't really put a date on on the piece. So they're always kind of relevant in, in their time. It could be old or old-fashioned, or it could be kind of the, like turn of the century, or it could be, you know, just fantastical. And And that, you know, creates that kind of, you know, satire, if people know the people, definitely. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know who this person is, you just assume that it's some guy in a cave or, you know, some guy on a pipeline doing something. So Yeah, yeah but you have candles burning behind him, but he's wearing a skull. Well, this is actually, these, I was researching a pipeline, and these are actually lights. So this is the pipeline traveling through, twisting, oh, okay. going through the mountain pass, up over the mountain. So those are like emergency lights that the pipeline oh. has on the side of them. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a, it was a fun, you know, imaginative background. Because once Eddie brought the hat over, then I started playing around with the idea of the oil industry and, you know, contemporary issues, whether or not I'm making a stance on anything is irregardless. I mean... Yeah. There is a fire in the background, and that's not a good thing, especially when you have a, 
you know, flammable substance traveling, but, yeah. you know, like, did he start the fire? Was he smoking on the job when he shouldn't be? There's a lot, there's a look of disinterest in them. Eddie. So they, Eddie, you know, he's getting up to no good, but yeah, yeah I kind of leave it, you know, fun and, and exactly kind of yeah. and and so you're you're like you're not just sticking to this contemporary like this guy here his costume and everything to me and I don't recognize the costume particularly but it does look old like from the 1800s or 1700s yeah. I don't know it could be but yet he's got a, a watch on yeah yeah, yeah. There's, there's, so that's on purpose that's a purpose yeah I could have paint, not painted the watch in but I liked that you know you have this classical old painting yet that you know this weird contemporary object on him but it's not like a full blingy watch it's just kind of subtle so yeah. you get to see you know some yeah, I love humor in art I liked I'm more of a comedic than I am tragic I've studied with artists and masters that are focus a lot on the human angst and tragic and the po where I like you know a little bit of fun I always like to have fun in the studio especially that one of Ryan I just I laughed every time I went up to to paint it because I you know gave him that kind of wall-eyed glassy eye and it was a it was really it was a really yeah. fun thing to paint yeah that was that's super I love that piece and so when you get your models to sit, you set up the lighting for yes. your models. Yeah. And you work with that lighting mm -hmm. for a few hours. Yeah. And they sit there and they drink beer and eat pizza, or are they really good? No, no. It's, <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a very uh, academic placement of models. you got to have the exact same pose and can't breathe or blink. Yeah. It's a very fun experience because, like, I'm not looking to get exact photographic representation of the sitter. I'm just looking for colors and looking for, you know, flesh and, and value and weight. Okay. So whether I just need them to be there to occupy the space of the light and then they can talk freely unless I'm working on their mouth. I'll say, I'm just working on your mouth or I need you to look at me now. But okay. sorry, if I'm not working on a part of their body that, you know, that I'm not working on their hands, they can do whatever with their hands. If, so it's a very kind of relaxed environment when they model. It's not like so, uh, you know, formal. So is it important to you to get as representational as possible? No, no, I like to, uh, I, I don't, I get bored easy. I don't, I'm not like a photorealist. They yeah. find them that to be a bit uh, torturous to be able to try to do what has already been done far better by the camera unless that's more of a display of skill that mm -hmm. I can do that than maybe like seeing and exploring what, you know, lies out there right it's more kind of free and loose and you know it just sort of works like if you look at Eddie's hand a lot of the hands are kind of unfinished they're not taken to the same degree of, of completion as the the face the face is what's important in the portrait it's where I want people to end up looking it's not I mean the the hands and the objects that surround them are, are places where people go to to like enjoy in the painting but it's not where they're going to stay the light will draw you and force the human eye to the face because human eyes always you know focus on the light that's how we survive that's how we look at things is we don't look at shadows and we don't we look at detail and light yeah I love it the longer I stare at it like at first sometimes when I see portraiture I'm like why would I want to put a person a picture of a person in my room that I don't know right like the focus here is the person but the longer I actually look at it, I start to see more of the humanity and less, I'm less worried about who they are. Mm. I kind of, I'm starting to feel this guy. 
Yeah, yeah that's what you I know? tell people. It's like, well, I don't know them. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's great because now you can get to know them. This this face will be a face that you put your own um, you know experiences into your they they will the face will interact with you if you look at a Rembrandt face or you look at Titian or Caravaggio you don't have to know those people the the drama of that face holds its own story so it's yeah, yeah the, the face is there for us to um, you know engage with and build our own stories into it's kind of like I always like the, the the symbolism within the Tom Hanks movie Castaway when he's on that deserted island and his, he finds his what does he need he needs the human face and he finds that in his beach ball Will or that volleyball Wilson mm-hmm. you know we need a face to talk to and, and, and a lot of times what we see today in a lot of contemporary art, especially modernism. Modernism really tried to get the face out of art, but now we're seeing an, a rise of, you know, portraiture and, you know, which is kind of, it can be called kitsch, but I, I, I enjoy that title quite a lot because, you know, that experience of humanity is very important for my working in art. So how does someone get to be a model in one of your beautiful paintings? <laughs> Well, I, I guess, uh, um, I mean, it's kind of like either they want to commission me to do one, but if it's it's more personal, like if, if someone's really, really interested in being a model, I can, I can work with that, but uh, more slimes, I'm looking for the, the face, like I'm not looking... You know, to you know, paint pictures of the mares or oil yeah. execs. I, yeah. you know, I have a day job that I do that you know I can make money, so I don't have to do that kind of commission work. But yeah, my models just come to me. They're kind of like, I like your face. Would yeah. you sit for me? Usually they're unemployed, so yeah, they yeah. have some hours. Good <laughs> yeah. okay, last question. I know it's your opening. Yeah. Um, how do you slay the dragon of resistance? You said you're working full time. Uh, well, well I, I work as okay. an art installer, so I'm contract work. Okay. How do you get yourself going? How do you make sure you keep painting in well, this busy world of ours? I think it's just habit now. I've been doing it for over 20 years. I can't do anything else. I, I feel actually physically, I get physically... Um, <laughs> uneasy and anxious if I haven't been painting or creating, you know, in, in a certain way. In the summertime, I'm out painting, painting outdoors. I don't want to be in my studio because my studio is very dark, kind of dreary. Okay. But in the wintertime, I just lock myself as soon as uh, I'm home from work. I spend three or four hours. So you don't engage in a lot of extracurricular activities? I don't go to any of Yeah, that's why there's no one at my openings because they're like, who is she? Because I never go and like, oh, I got to plug into community. No, this is my community is like my close friends and my paintings. And, you know, that is, you know, and also, which is really fortunate for me and a great blessing. I have a patron that really believes in the work that I'm doing and, and supplies me with, you know, commission work that is enjoyable so I do a lot of old master reproductions okay. so he, he wants a Rembrandt I'll paint a Rembrandt if he wants okay. a Caravaggio I'll paint a Caravaggio I can, I can uh, quite successfully paint those things and right. they're quite it's like a paid education so yeah. you know, I paint a Rembrandt I've learned mark making palette knife work that Rembrandt might have employed and now I can employ it to my own painting so it sounds to me like you've simplified your life 
yeah. enough yeah. and it's not difficult for you. you that's what you prefer you've simplified your life as far as socializing goes yeah. you keep it to a close group friends and then another thing is you've made a good connection with someone who helps inspire you and keep you going as far as money goes and mm -hmm. different projects yeah most definitely I mean making I mean, the right connections making the right connections and also just walking out in faith believing that what you're doing is you know of importance and that you the ways will be meaned, made available to you to continue to do that you know mm. so it's a, it's a walk of faith for sure yeah. yeah beautiful thank you so much for your time today Dan. you betcha you get a little squeeze there yeah. <laughs> all right have a great opening i hope you sell them all oh thank you so much sweet wasn't that fantastic uh, He's so eloquent. That was Douglas Williamson. He just goes by Doug, but you can find his work on his website, which uses his full name, uh, douglaswilliamson.com. And on the front page, there is a juicy still life that'll just break your heart. The other wonderful and infamous artist we were listening to was Doug Waite. And that was his song, um, New Cuban Graffiti. Fabulous. I, I think he must have... It sounds like he recorded that while he was in Cuba. He, he it goes on to explain different things about his work. The unbelievable second rare find from the legendary Lost Band, originally recorded in 1962 near Havana, Cuba, and produced for our Digital World bonus feature, The Explanation of Their Mysterious Disappearance. So, the fabulous stingrays. Alright. And you can find links to all the artists on my website at burstandbloom.ca under the podcast tab. Please like and share as much as you can so we can spread the word. And yeah, I've been hearing from a lot of you and there's artists lining up to get interviewed. I can't wait to get out there in the community more this summer. We'll be talking to you again soon. Get out your palettes and go burst and bloom, baby.